Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Phoenix. Sons of losers. 132-121 to San Antonio. Kevin Durant, give us about a six-second rundown. What happened? The first quarter, we got down 39-20. They hit eight threes in the first quarter. That was the game. Oh, okay, thanks. They lost the first half, 75-55. to Devin Booker didn't score in the first quarter, but still finished with 31 points, 13 assists, and one rebound shy of a triple-double. Frank Vogel, what'd you think of Book? Incredible. I mean, it took a little bit to get going, which is expected. You know, hasn't hasn't played for um, you know, in uh, I think nine days or so. Um, but what a second half! He's a spectacular player and you know, wheeled us back into the game. Suns now start a three-city East Coast road trip starting in Philadelphia tomorrow morning. Tip-off at 10 o'clock. Then, sad news also hit the Suns earlier. Legend Walter Davis has died. 1,700 points right now ahead of number two Alvin Adams. He is still the all-time leader in points scored for the Suns. And he's about 3,000 points ahead of number three, Devin Booker. He was 69 years old. Coyotes a winner 3-2 at home versus the Canadiens. Nick Schmoltz scored in the first period, first goal of the game with a penalty shot, then turned around, got a power play goal in the third to take the lead and got the game winner. Nick, how'd you guys feel the way you bounced back after a bad trip to L.A.? We're in every game. We're right there. We just got to take that next step as a team and, you know, learn how to win these close uh, one-goal games. You know, it's fun when you're playing in these close games. Uh, you know, you want to step up and be that guy that can make the play when it matters. So, Coyotes at home tomorrow. They take on Winnipeg face-off at 1 o'clock. D-backs, end-of-the-year cleanup. Participated in the least-viewed World Series in television history. Mike Hazen, how does that make you feel? I think it's great for the for the country, for the game of baseball to see this next generation of players playing on this stage. Therefore, a lot of people believe that. More teams into the playoffs grow the sport. Next game, whole or at Colorado, but really at Salt River Fields, February 23rd, first pitch, one o'clock. Cardinals might start P.J. Walker at quarter, excuse me, the Browns might start Walker or Deshaun Watson. Buda Baker, what's the plan? We're ready for both situations. You know, uh, um, both quarterbacks are very great, good quarterbacks and guys who make their progressions and throw the ball on time. So um, either, either quarterback, you know, we have game plans for both of them. Cardinals at Cleveland, Sunday, kickoff 11 o'clock. ASU is at Utah. The program, Kenny Dillingham, says he's modeling the Sun Devil culture after kickoff at 11 in the morning tomorrow. Huge one in Tucson. U of A takes on a sliding USC program. If U of A wins, they're bowl eligible. Kickoff 7.30. The Rising are in the conference championship game at Sacramento. That kicks off Saturday, 7 o'clock. 
NASCAR. This weekend in Avondale, it's Trucks, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series start Sunday at noon. And finally, Hot Potato! The Burnbury City Council in Western Australia has a massive homeless problem in which the homeless have taken up residence underneath the outdoor music festival theater around the outdoor shell and the entire property. So what did they do to decide to get rid of the homeless? Instead of moving them somewhere else, they just started blaring the song Hot Potato, hopefully hoping they would leave. Hot Potato is sung by the children's group the Wiggles. <laughs> Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Boy, have I, and I will speak for Jeff Weir production on this, earned Beer Friday this week. Poor Izzy isn't feeling good. Now CEO Chris isn't feeling good. It's Jeff and I versus the world. And I don't care what Jeff Weir thinks he's got planned today. He's coming to happy hour. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone each and every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Birds. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's put the pressure on you right now. What is the verdict? Uh, 4.30 today, happy hour, Jeff Weir production. Are you there or are you making an excuse? I am still going to see. We're still making Chris is sick, we have a chaparral game tonight. Oh, yeah, that's true. So... Since Chris is sick, I don't know that we'll have it because we don't have a camera operator to go out there and do it. That would be me uh-huh. since Izzy is out. Yeah. And since Chris isn't here to run the control room, I don't know what we're going to do. 
and if we do not do it, I'm there. Okay. I am guessing, uh, I'm taking a guess here, that if nobody else needs to be, when you say control room, be back here in the building. Right. Well, therefore, if he can't get anybody else sick, then he'll probably suck it up and come in. Yeah, but he can't run the scoreboard and do instant replay. And, like, we need two people in the control room. Oh, 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 oh. So. Maybe you do a scaled-down broadcast where there's no instant replay that game or something like that. Possibly. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing. uh, I'm guessing that. Uh, So, I've already spoken for CEO Chris. I've never talked to him about this. But, yeah, suck it up. So, therefore... It's 4.30 to 6.30 today, 100-mile brewing company, Tempe. And when does the, the game probably starts at 7 o'clock for you, right? That's right. Well, then there's zero reason why you, you can't go through Tempe, have a beer, and then go up. <laughs> I have spoken. There we go. So, we'll, Jeff Weir production today, 4.30 at 100-mile brew. Oh, you know, here's a funny story. I am so happy with where the show is going for the uh, – um, the podcast and slash TV show that we do every Tuesday and Sunday organic football show. It's really getting better all the time, turning more and more into a TV show all the time. And what's funny is Rich came up to me the other day and said, hey, do you mind if I have a couple of the kilt lifters so we can have a beer while we're talking and, and make it feel like a tailgate? And I said, absolutely. because I'll, I'll bring in more for you to, to, to replace. Sure, sure, sure. Well, Starting next month, 100 Mile Brewing Company is the official sponsor of Beer Friday here on all of WTSMTV.com. So we have a ton of Kill Lifter we need to drink this month before they come in and take over Beer Friday. Now, they mostly have kegs. So I haven't figured out now. They've, they've just started canning. So I haven't figured out. Well, they're not canning yet my favorite beer which is a mountain amber ale okay so do i drink a beer of theirs because they're a sponsor that's not my favorite and wait till they can a mountain amber ale or do i say hey they're the sponsor but i'm drinking Killifter until everything changes or do you like option c which is my vote ceo chris who's just dripping with money dripping with money <laughs> buys us a kegerator that sits right here i'm all for that i I think that's the best thing to do i would even invest a little in that we get a kegerator and i'm not talking like they come in with one of the bar size kegs but 100 mile brewing company's job at least once a week is to come in with one of the smallest kegs they got and bring it in here then if that's the case i just want to let it be known right now angel of burrito express I don't care who it is. Somebody's bringing food every weekday morning at about 9 o'clock. All right? After I get the podcast up at 9 o'clock, I'm sitting in here, and I'm drinking beer, and I'm having burritos. And then, you know, I might have five beers, and then I'll have to sit here for four and a half hours before I'm ready to drive home. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> and that'll be that'll be my Fridays. And we'll have Beer Friday here. And you know what we'll do? We'll have a live studio audience for the main event and for iOS. There you go. And, and so anybody in the Unplugged Army that comes to watch wants, wants to help me finish the keg, have a beer, and sit and throw things at Steve and Dale while they're on air. I think it'd be fantastic. <laughs> I think it'd be fantastic. So that might become a new plan.
uh, every Friday. Uh, boy, have we earned this, Jeff Weir Production, have we not? Yes, sir. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got that right. Oh, yeah. So, happy hour today. Non-sanctioned event, do as much as you can. That That's that's the trade-off. You don't lose any status if you're not there. But, and the reason why is if I would have had more time to plan this, yes, you would. If, you, if I'd have had more time to plan it and given you enough advanced warning, but it's not fair to you as your commander-in-chief to let you know on Monday, I think we're going to do a happy hour. Let you know on Tuesday we are going to do a happy hour and then let you know on Wednesday where it is and then have you drop everything in 48 hours and make sure you're there. But here's what's important to me. Fit us into your window of life. Are you going out to dinner tonight? Okay, great. Stop by 100 Mile Brewing Company and have a drink and then go. If you are going home tonight... Uh, stop by a hundred mile brewing company, have a drink on your way home. Keep in mind, I really, really care about keeping drunk drivers off the, the streets. So remember, keep it to about a drink an hour and that's how long it takes your body to absorb it. And therefore it doesn't impact your driving and you're okay. Uh, if you're, but please stay for dinner, stay a long time. If you have that kind of time, if you want to go out to dinner tonight, but you don't know where, please come to hundred mile brewing company and come out to dinner. Their fried chicken sandwich is really good. They've got great burgers. I love their Turkey club. And, uh, I've had one more thing on the menu that I admit I didn't like. So if you come today and you want to ask me what it is, I'll tell you but i don't want to just throw them under the bus and say it because that's kind of i don't know about you i feel that that's rude but that's that's who i am i don't want to be rude so come out to 100 mile brewing company whether you're staying for all of happy hour and then leaving whether you're having a driver and drinking quite a bit whether you are coming for dinner or in reverse if you are if you've got somewhere you've got to go like if you've got a late appointment or something come on the back end something like that or if i know if you're bringing like 10 people like you're bringing a lot of people that gives us a good showing and you don't show up until 6 30 i'll stay a little bit later than uh than i had planned to um depending on how many people come in but i'd really like to have a good showing today if you could just to show what hundred mile brewing company what they've uh, what they've bought what they've come into and who they've joined as a sponsor of beer friday so it's really important to me to try to make this great um my regular show announcements I would love for you to help me on something. The It's a good thing and a bad thing. My podcast numbers continually dwindle. Uh, I used to be at around 2,500 downloads a day. I'm down to about 800 downloads a day. If there's a reason why, I would like to know that. I'm not concerned for our advertisers, however, because the, the ratings on the show on WTSMTV.com keep going up. So that's vitally important to me. If they're both going down, I, I would probably just start looking for another job or I would go to the advertisers and say, hey, I'm not getting it done for you anymore. Let's lower your price, something like that. But since I know I'm still delivering good ratings on television, it's like, well, okay, I'm just, I'm just delivering in a different way. But it still concerns me. If it's you as a member of the Unplugged Army that says, hey, you've asked me to make the transition to WTSMTV.com, I did that, that's where I'm at, well, then I don't have anything to complain about. Thank you. But if there's another reason I would like to know, if the content's not what you're looking for anymore, if you gave it a shot and I let you down too often, I have always felt like one thing I struggled with 
is when I did the show in the middle of the night, there's nobody looking at you. There's no lights. It's just me and a microphone all by myself. And I had a much better pace. You know, I, I was I wasn't trying to cram in three hours of stuff into an hour and 45 minutes. And I did a better job of that. Some shows were only 45 minutes. Some shows, you remember, I had three and a half hour monsters because it was just talk until everything had been covered and have a conversation with you. And I still don't think I'm great at that. And if you feel that, then I got to work harder at it if you think it's that. Or is it the late start time on the audio podcast? If Is 9.15 just not working for you when, when the podcast drops? Let me know, please. But I want to make sure that as I'm talking about this, I'm still incredibly complimentary to you as the Unplugged Army that you are increasing the numbers on WTSMTV.com. So thank you very much. It's what I've asked from you uh, from the beginning. Uh, last thing before we get rolling, there a uh, TMZ, I think it was TMZ, released the actual police body cam video of Nicole Bidwill's arrest. She is the wife. There's two Nicole Bidwills. There's a sister of the actual Bidwill family, and then there's the sister-in-law, the wife of Bill Bidwill Jr. They released a video. I could have easily asked Jeff Weir Production to get it for me, put it online for us to cut it up and use it today. And I'm not being judgmental of any radio station, any TV station, any show that chooses to use that video. I think you have every right to do whatever you want. It's public video. That's why it's public. It's a way to monitor police and arrest uh, arrestees, things like that. Okay, whatever. I'm not going down that road today, and I don't have any problem hammering the Cardinals. I don't have any problem talking about athletes, owners, uh, executives, and attacking domestic violence and hoping that it ends and things like that. But Bill Bidwell Jr. is no longer associated with the Arizona Cardinals. Therefore, neither is his wife. And to me, then, that removes, I don't want to say my jurisdiction like I have any real power, but that removes it from my scope. This, to me, is a sports talk show and an entertainment. And it's certainly domestic violence isn't entertaining. So then is it newsworthy? Well, for other people, absolutely it is. But from a sports context... Since it's not the Nicole Bidwill that's within the family as far as a direct, like any wife is, of course, within the family, but not blood. And Bill Bidwill Jr. is no longer associated with the organization, to my knowledge. I don't think it's a, it's, it's a subject matter for me to be playing the tape, uh, showing how ridiculous her actions were, how sad this is. That's, that's why I'm not talking about it. I wanted you to be aware of it. It's out there. It takes two seconds to Google it if you have eight minutes and you want to watch it. But that's why you won't get that from me today if, you, if you've come here for it. Speaking of Cardinals, uh, please keep rooting for me and find a way to listen to Doug Franz Unplugged next week and find a way to become a plus member at WTSMTV.com, a live member, I should say. Make sure you do that before next weekend. You're going to want to watch a special that we are going to be running as I will have an exclusive interview that no one else in the world has with somebody that everybody in the sports world is trying to get. Uh, It's scheduled. It hasn't happened yet, so I don't want to go overboard in promoting it until it happens but uh it's huge it's a huge moment in the history of doug franz unplugged and it might be one of the pinnacle moments in the history of wtsmtv.com you're going to want to be a part of it and i want to let you know that that's uh, upcoming i'll tell you more about it coming up 
not well not the upcoming week but the week after the interview itself is on veterans day november 11th and then uh we're actually doing it on the 11th month of the 11th hour of the 11th year uh not the 11th year of the uh of the 11th hour and then we'll be playing parts of it throughout the the next week so i'd like you to be a part of that all right sound credits today and i just wanted to say to you good job for everything that you're doing with this situation it's oh wow that's it's cool. been fun to watch for that, sure that's that's really cool and it's going to be even for more fun next week when everything comes to fruition yeah it's going to be a, a really hard work for all of us but it's so worth it it's so worth it um that's nice of you jeff thanks uh sound credits today 12 news uh was nice enough to give me a whole bunch of diamondback sound we've had a sickness come through us here at WTSMTVSports.com, I had the ability to go to Diamondbacks yesterday, and then on my way there, I decided, you know what? I've been around some sick people. That would really be crappy to give to the media and the players on their way out the door from the Diamondback season a sickness if I have it, if I'm a carrier of it. I feel fine, but I don't know. So I decided not to go, and 12 News was nice enough to say, okay, here, here's what we got on that. Suns PR, Coyotes PR department helped out as well, and uh, we went to azcardinals.com for that big piece of Buddha sound that you just heard a little bit ago. I think that's it. You got anything else on your mind, Jeff, for your production? I do not. I think everything is uh, ready to rock and roll. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today is one simple word, accountability. And I just really want to emphasize the juxtaposition between three of our franchises right now. I don't really know much about the Coyotes, and the Coyotes have decided to make it very difficult to find their game. So I've only watched one Coyotes game all year. I'm not trying to be offensive in any way to the Arizona Coyotes, but they choose to live their world in a bubble, and right now I don't have time to penetrate that bubble. I get it. You're you. I'm not upset at you at all, but that's, that's where your world is. And then there's the Suns, Cardinals, and and Diamondbacks. And I want to focus on them for a minute. Listening to the accountability yesterday from Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello, people make mistakes. I loved hearing that accountability. I loved it. it. It meant everything to me. Because when you're admitting, the only way you can get better is when you admit your mistakes. Does it bother me the mistakes happened? Of course it does. Of course it does. But if you're admitting it, it still makes me say that's the man for the job because I know you're smart enough to learn from it. And sometimes it takes too long to learn from it. And I feel the same way about the Suns. I do not have that feeling for the Arizona Cardinals whatsoever. And I want to be able to give you an example on Doug's big one today why this is my number one opinion. Yesterday, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but yesterday, and I'm going to ask you to do this if you could, Jeff, for your production. While I'm talking, I don't know if you can do this, not on air, but can you start playing the Tori Lovello? Because we don't need the beginning of the Tori Lovello, but a few minutes in, I would like to start it. Does that make sense? Can you do that? Can you fast forward? I'm going to see if I can add it real quick. Okay, okay. So I'll let you know in just a second. Yeah, tell me when you do that. And then um, he starts talking about movies, and he starts being funny at the beginning of the presser. But then uh, he moves into how proud he is of the team. And I don't mind when you say that at the end of the year. I don't like it during the year. And then he talks about the emotions with his family. And we'll go through different stuff, uh, and I'll explain why we're doing it kind of choppy today here in a little bit but I want to be able to play that and where it highlights for me is he just openly admits he should have walked Corey Seager and 
That that decision by Tori Lovello has really, really bothered me. And and what when stuff bothers me, I want to be very, very blunt. I'm a really knowledgeable baseball guy. And if I was ever put in a position where I'm even managing a college baseball team, I would get run over. Okay? As mad as I can get as at Tori Lovello for mistakes that he makes, I hope we have the relationship that you know from me. There will never be a day I outmanage Tori Lovello. Whether I have a uniform on or I'm on my couch, I'm being critical, but that's when it bothers me is I know I'm not as good of a manager. So how do I know you were so wrong? You know, at that, at that moment, like, wait, this can't be happening. Analytics hates intentional walks. I, I, you cannot understand how bad they hate intentional walks. Okay. And so the decision is, I don't want to do an intentional walk. And I'm not talking about um, the Corey Seager home run that tied it. Because Adolis Garcia is still playing in that game. So I'm not saying let's put Corey Seager on and let Garcia bat. Okay? That's different. But pitching to Garcia in the 11th inning of game two, that was really dumb. I'm talking about the later home run, game three, in which Corey Seager hit it. when there's no Or no, game four, when there's no Garcia in the lineup. That's just, like, that's really, really bad managing. And for him to stand there yesterday and admit it just makes me feel so much better. Yes, I wish he got it right and we, didn't, we weren't here at all. But admitting it helps. Mike Hazen yesterday, he admitted that game four is totally on him. Not having a starter for a World Series team is totally on him. He's kind of admitting, I don't know what I should have done because I wasn't willing to trade Alec Thomas and I wasn't really willing to trade Brandon Fott. And I'm still not willing to trade either of those two. But game four is on me no matter what. And I, I hate being critical when somebody does something that I understand that I actually accept because I look at it through the prism what would I do in that situation obviously depending on the package I would never have traded Alec Thomas or but you know what I should say I probably you could have talked me into trading Alec Thomas you could have talked me into it which we now know would have been wrong because without Alec Thomas we're not in the World Series nobody else was ripping the cover off the ball in game four against the Phillies Tori is playing until he hit that so yeah do me a favor if you could uh uh jeff weir production just kind of monitor tory and because i don't want the stuff about movies and the other stuff but when he moves into what he's proud of is what i'll want to talk about um so i look at this situation with mike hazen and say i wish you would open up and tell me what the offers were so i just so i know what i would do I say that because I would have been aggressive to get a starting pitcher. I never would have traded Brandon Fought. You could have got Alec Thomas from me, but it would have had to have been a legendary trade where I feel like walking out of that trade, I'm winning the World Series. And I don't know of a lot of pitchers that were available that I feel like I would have won the World Series trading for that guy right now. I think I got it. So I like that accountability. Go ahead and pause it for just a second, if you can, uh, Jeff Weir Production. Let me finish the point, and then I want to play Tory for you. So there's great amounts of accountability right there. The Suns, Matt Ishbia comes in 
and he looks at the head coach, Monty Williams, and says, back-to-back years, you're up 2-0 and you can't figure out how to get a win. Back-to-back years, you can't get the most out of DeAndre Ayton. That's it. Right now, you're not a championship head coach. I'm going to go find who I think is. Accountability. DeAndre Ayton, you couldn't suck up an injury to play in a postseason against a great player like Jokic when they needed you. Okay, that's who you are. You're out. Now, I'm not bragging about Nurkic. I I think Nurkic was really bad last night, and I'm the one saying I'm glad they have Nurkic. I think he fits well. He didn't fit well yesterday. The whole team was kind of crappy in the first half. But I sense accountability from the Suns. And then building a new training facility, building a new practice facility. The Arizona Cardinals have needed a new practice facility since the 90s. And they don't want to win bad enough to get it done. Matt Ishbia has been an owner for less than 12 months and has already decided a state of the at one time I wouldn't say it was state of the art but at one time one of the better practice facilities of any NBA team he already deemed not good enough for a championship team I'm going to go spend a hundred million dollars to make sure we have a practice facility that is worthy of a championship team that's accountability the Arizona Cardinals are a joke when it comes to the word accountability And yes, I said that about the organization. Let's look at the recent examples. Terry McDonough files an arbitration case claiming that there were burner phones that were being used by the Arizona Cardinals to communicate with the general manager while he was suspended. It's really important that you understand this because a lot of people get confused. This was a team-issued suspension. Yes, And in normal team-issued suspensions, the team has every right to decide how the suspension works. They have a right to decide, you know what, Steve Kime, you're going to have to work from home, but we're still going to communicate with you, right? And a lot of people are sticking to that argument, claiming the burner phones mean nothing because it was a team-issued suspension. The reason why that opinion is invalid, I'm not saying it's just dead wrong, you're an idiot, but I'm saying it's invalid. The team suspension was strong enough that the league did not issue a suspension themselves. By Michael Bidwell saying, I've got this under control, the self-proposed, self-imposed penalty backed the NFL off. If the NFL, if the Cardinals wouldn't have done that, the NFL would have done something very, very similar. So they made this suspension in order to get the NFL off their back. And then, according to Terry McDonough, circumvented the entire suspension with the burner phones. Then Michael Bidwill claims that he had no idea this started. And once he found out, he ended it. Which, to me, opinionated statement, is a joke of an opinion and an outright lie. So now where are we in that situation? Well, number one, lack of accountability and admitting that they tried to circumvent the situation. They attack the character of Terry McDonough in a statement, claiming he's a terrible father and claiming that he's got a drinking problem, even though he's been a, uh, a sober, recovered alcoholic well before any situation with the Arizona Cardinals and going after other elements of who he is, yet they kept him around. 
which is still the biggest lie to me in the history of the world. Well, not the history of the world, but it's still such a joke of why would you keep him as long as you did if he's this terrible person? So that's that side of that. Now, in the latest situation, with articles from The Athletic and articles from ESPN showing the horrible, toxic workplace environment, you can read those articles and totally judge at what level is that acceptable. Michael Bidwell isn't anywhere near Daniel Snyder. Okay, it's not even close. I, I shouldn't even be saying it's not close to Daniel Snyder because someone's going to take that. Well, then why'd you bring it up? I mean, it's the gap between those two men are enormous. All right. Daniel Snyder, to me, is is almost the antichrist. He's such a horrible human being. But when you look at how Michael Bidwell treated people and then the comeback from the articles from the Cardinals is this is all urban legend or old news. That's not accountability. How in the world does almost every woman to a T in that organization say, I was told at some point, don't interact with the players, don't interact with male football staffers, build a wall between us and them to make sure that they can't talk to us on their way by, don't use this stairwell, and if ever there was a time, I don't know, like, imagine this, how does anybody get this wrong? Allegedly... Male staffers were allowed to use the weight room. Non-football staffers were allowed to use the players' weight room if the players weren't in there. Women were not. (laughs) You can't get more sexist than that. All right? If that... How do you say that's urban legend? How does that myth begin then? How are you that devoid of leadership as an organization that at no time did this urban legend ever get to the desk of an executive that wasn't misogynistic? How did nobody in the ever organization ever hear about this and say, wait a minute, this isn't right? This is what's happening? You guys think this? Let me put it. No, that's not true. You had to have surveys and exposure to actually change your ways. That's ridiculous. And you're and instead of saying we were dead wrong, yes we did this. We're kind of embarrassed about it and we're talking to all of our former female employees that suffered during that time and we'd like to give them an offering, a financial offering, not a forced settlement. We want to give them money because we realize, you know, we caused you pain in your life and we were sexist towards you. We'd like to say we're sorry. That's leadership, and that's not what they did. Every step of the way, it's because they either got caught or embarrassed or wanted to run and hide. That's the difference between accountability. Cardinals on one hand, Suns and D-backs on the other. I'm a fan of all of our sports teams. I realize I'm just a supporter of the Cardinals. I want them to do well for you. I'm not a fan of the organization, but I'm a fan of the of the fans. Does that make sense? I'm a fan of you who are Cardinals fans, so I want them to do well. But it's just there's example after example right now. Run a team like this. Run a team like this. Run a team like this. And we don't have that coming from the Arizona Cardinals.
That's Doug's big one today. All right, coming up next, uh, I want to uh, hit this break. But does that screw anything up, Jeff Weir Production? Can I hit this break and come back to Tory? Are we good with that? Sure. Good. Let's do that. Spend some time talking about Tory Lovello and Mike Hazen, the things they said to the media. We also want to preview all the big football games that are coming up. And the Suns embarrassed themselves in the first half. No panic needs to set in. They're still a great team. But Frank Vogel, why did the first half lack energy? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. If you got a second, I want to tell you about my heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical company, and it's Parker & Sons. Now, I say my, I don't own a piece of it, but it's the, the people that I believe in more than I can even explain to you. Family owned and operated, but it's also a little different because in a sense, the technicians are their own operators as well. They are allowed and encouraged to hand out their own business cards. And if you feel like you've had such a good experience, you don't have to call the main number anymore and tell them, hey, I just need a plumber to come out. No, you can always have the same air conditioning specialist if you want, if you really feel a connection to the guy that you have, because they can then develop a bank of business of people that trust them. Well, the only way you're going to earn that is to be a trustworthy person in the first place. And that's the only types of people that Parker and Sons hires. Trust certified technicians that have passed a background check and a drug test before they ever step into your home. That's Parker and Sons. And that's why they're the heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical specialist for my family. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. My friend, I, I was moving around on my chair. Am I all right right here, Jeff Weir Production? You look great. <laughs> I did not expect that. Uh, I want to be really blunt and honest uh, at, at all times. This, this next beautiful part of the podcast might be a little rough and a little bit up and down as 12 News just bailed me out. I, I wasn't able, I don't know enough about television to bring my own camera and film it. Uh, the press conferences yesterday with Tori Lovello, Mike Hazen, and uh, and then bouncing around with the players. Plus, we have a sickness going through uh, WTSMTV.com. I feel fine, and I didn't want to bring that out to uh, anybody yesterday in case I had it. Now I know I don't. I would have gotten sick by now if I had it because I was exposed to Izzy's not feeling great, and I was exposed to Izzy um uh, i think on friday it was maybe it was monday i can't remember what it was but i i have been fine uh all day monday all day tuesday all day wednesday all day thursday and i'm fine right now so i know i'm in the clear so if today was the day of the of the last day of the season uh i, w- I would be going to today but i wanted to make sure take one more day make sure everything's good so what we have is we have huge files in which 12 news was nice enough to bail us out and give us these huge files but point blank there's not a dedicated 
producer to Doug Franz Unplugged yet, and that's one of the reasons why we're asking you to bump up a level and take the live view. And if you are now a live member, you're helping us bring in somebody else because we want to keep growing. And Jeff Weir Production is basically the de facto producer of Doug Franz Unplugged, but he may or may not be the guy that runs everything for eight hours a day and still goes home and helps me put things together then too. So there's no way I'm asking for more out of Jeff Weir Production. I do the same thing for your show that I do for every other show. Do you really? So there's no way you have time to do this. So we're still growing, and this is where a growing pain hits me in the face where we have all of this stuff and I don't have the equipment at home to have been able to watch it. So luckily, I know what was said by hearsay or watching other shows, but I'm a little behind on this. I just wanted to give you a heads up about that uh, from the beginning because I believe in being blunt. Now, this is the beginning of the, the, the middle of the Tory Lovello press conference. He comes in, makes a joke about movies. It's kind of funny about how long it's taken him to get into the press conference room. And then he starts talking about being proud of his guys. You know, maybe I'll just open up with a statement, right? I know it was pretty raw last night, and it hurt. It was painful, and it still is. But, um, you know, I woke up this morning and, and to a wall of texts uh, from uh, family, friends, loved ones in support of what we did as an organization, and it gave me a little bit more perspective. I just want to, me personally, I just want to make the state proud of me. You know, I just want to make the state proud of our organization. I want to make the state um, get behind us and, and be there for us every single day and, um, and get to that get to that point where we can call ourselves a champion. And we got a taste of it, and it tastes really good. Um, but it wasn't wasn't the final thing that we wanted to do. So I'm going to remember the taste. It's in my mouth right now, and I'm going to enjoy it um, the best way I know how. But it's going to motivate me to keep that keep that feeling um, of what we almost attained, uh, what we almost almost achieved. Um, so that's kind of where I'm trending right now, pushing in that direction, um, working through it and cycling through it a little bit. But uh, I just I got to I got to make sure that I mention how proud I am of this team and how proud I am of this um, of this group that stuck together, that um, that stayed connected in good and bad times, never doubted uh, what our overall goal was and that was to win a baseball game today and it landed us in in november who would have ever thought that we would have an extra month of baseball and we would play as far as long and as far as we did into the season i'm really proud of that and i i will make sure that i get that message out to these players i'm going to start i'm going to give them a little time away um let them decompress a little bit but at some point we're going to start to can i'll start to connect with them and i'm going to make sure that i they they know how proud i am of them and how proud um this this entire organization is of them because they made something very magical happen this year stop it for just a second jeff we're going to jump right back into it out of everything for me to go this is just like spew of the mind you know what that made me think of it made me think of the ridiculousness of monty williams going into last season i totally get i'm mad at da don't even want to talk about it okay fine whatever it's still the most ridiculous beginning to last year that monty williams didn't talk to deandre ayton at some point in the offseason And there he is right there. Listen, it's still raw. I want to let these guys go. But at some point, I'm going to talk to each and every one of them, talk about the series, talk it through, and have us one-on-one get ready. There's 26 guys on the roster. I don't know how many he plans on talking to, but probably all of them. 
between now and pitchers and catchers reporting in February. And yet, with a 12 to 15 man roster, Monty wouldn't talk to DeAndre Ayton? It's just, I love Monty Williams. That is one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever heard of. All right, keep going. Keep going. This is a question about baseball the, being fun. The right yeah. time and bringing the kids with you. What was that like for you guys? Yeah, that was brutal. That was an emotional moment for me. You know, I'm an emotional creature. I try to hide that from you guys and try to be a tough guy. But I know you all know deep down that I can break down with the best of them. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I just I was looking for some support emotionally. And I think my I didn't say it to anybody. And I think my wife knew that, you know, and um, you know, when I picked my head up and they were back there and they were all making a heart, that was that was rough. That was super rough. But it was my favorite moment of the postseason. I loved what happened between the white lines. But that when, when when my wife asked me last night on the on the ride home and all the kids were in the car, I wasn't making it up when they asked me what was the best moment of the of, of the postseason. I said there were some there was fifty unbelievable ones, but one that took it over was what you guys did for me and acknowledged what what we're all going through and they just love me up at a very critical time that's good next one is about regrets he's going to be asked about well first of all he's going to say something about baseball being funny Zach Davies I don't know (laughs) (laughs) um Fourth starting pitcher. I asked Mike. I don't know. I asked him. I did ask him. Okay, Fernando Rodney had 39 saves. He did. Closer will be Paul Seawall next year. Like I said, I got to laugh at myself. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner, you want to throw him into? Um, What was your, I mean, you you talked a lot about manage against poach. Yeah. And, you know, basically it's your first real postseason experience elongated as a manager. You know, I, I don't count 2017 or, you know, when you first got here because you were in and out so quick. Right. What was the experience like for you, you know, and, and as you learned in your growth as a manager? Yeah, um, you know, um, you got to make progress, and progress means growth, right? And I was able to just sit in, sit in a different chair that not a lot of managers get that opportunity to sit in. And, um, you know, I just continued to um, appreciate the moment, appreciate where I was, and, and wanted to make sure that I took deep breaths and thought through things with a clear head, um, knowing full well that across the field was, was a monster, was a baseball monster. And, um, you know, I... I studied Boach before I got to the big leagues. I understood what types of things he did. And um, I, I just, it, it was it was surreal managing against him the first couple of years in, in San Francisco. But then it became very natural. And it became something where I could predict what he was going to do, much like any manager does. And he was doing the same to me. And it was just, you know, he's tough to read from across the diamond. There's zero emotion. Um, but I love the experience. And the fact that it was done against Bruce Bochy, who is going to be an absolute Hall of Famer when he decides it's time to shut it down, he just won his fourth world championship. It's what we all aspire for, aspire, aspire to get to. And um, I got a chance to watch somebody do it from a, from a bird's eye view. And I'm going to learn from some of the things that took place. And, um, you know, he did some things that, 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 I think experience led him down the road of bringing Leclerc in that game to not let anything get out of control in a 11 to whatever five game. It was wasn't 
popular move based on the baseball traditions, but he wanted to lock that game down with his best piece, and he did. So I'll learn, but it was an honor to be across from him. Were you stopping right there for just a second? Um, I, I love what he is acknowledging right there is that Bruce Bochy did things that analytics say don't do, and it worked. Tori Lovello, to me, has is a good manager. Right now, he's not a championship manager, and I don't say that because he lost the World Series. To me, there's two things getting in the way, and I'll still disagree with him. And if he was sitting right here, we would say, Doug, we wouldn't have got here if I wasn't me. I still disagree with him. I think he's too soft on players. When things go bad, I don't think he does a good enough job of dropping the hammer. I think he worries about people liking him more than he should. I would rather be respected than liked. And and I think you'll like me as you if I've earned your respect and you see I do care about everybody else getting what they want. If I can help you get somewhere, I know I'm going to benefit from that. So that is a mantra of mine. At the same time, I'm still going where I'm going, you know? I'm still going there and I'd like to bring you along with me. Well, with Tory, it's like he can't get on people until he knows everybody loves him. And I, I think there's been times where he should be dropping the hammer and not worry about somebody's feelings more often. That's point one where I disagree with him. And point two, I think he follows an analytical map way too often and can't see the forest from the trees. The analytics say do this, so I'm going to do this. And by picking up on the fact that Bochi did things that the book says not to do, and Bochi's now a series champion, third different team in the World Series, second different team that he's won a ring with, and doing it in his first year as manager with the Rangers. That's such a good wake-up call to say, I've got to learn how to manage without analytics all the time. Use analytics as a tool, okay? There's a reason why it exists, but just understand calculators don't play baseball. I thought that was good. The next question is going to be asked about any regrets that he has. A decision that if you had it to do all over again, you might not do. Um, yeah, I would have walked Seeger and pitched to Garver in a 3 nothing game. In game four with Castro, correct. Um, that's probably one that's sitting on me pretty hard. You just you don't know. I mean, we ended up scoring seven runs, right? But remember, I talked to you guys about postseason baseball for me is about stopping momentum, and you got to make a you got to make a change. And you know, I took Zach Allen out of the game at whatever it was, 80 pitches, and I clipped it because I want to make a change to stop that momentum. So um, that one right there, I talked about it quickly, and and I just thought, well, we're we're gonna have some weapons to to get the next hitter to probably chase, and we just made a mistake. But I, I wish I would have done that differently. That's once. Okay, we stop it right there if you could. I, this, to me, is the fulcrum decision of the series, all wrapped up into one. And I, I thought, I really thought Tory failed miserably here. Number one, you, heard, you know my rule. I, I believe in the ABC of pitching anyone but Castro. Castro has failed way too many times. And this is where I sound hypocritical because I'm arguing, arguing leave in Castro. Okay, leave him in. Don't touch Castro. Here's my thought process. Number one, 
Castro should not have been brought into the game because it was too high leverage of a situation. If you're going to have Castro pitch in the second inning, I don't want him in if it's not a clean inning. Okay, I don't believe in bringing him in. So you've got a Mantiply gives up a double in the top of the second in game three or in game four, excuse me. Then Nathaniel Lowe strikes out. Now you got Jonah Heim as a switch hitter coming in. And Mantiply's a lefty. Jonah Heim's more natural side, his better side is when he bats right handed. So the thought process is immediately get him and Tavares to flip. Okay, I get that. But the mistake to me is even though Haim and Tavares are better hitters as righties, Mantiply is so much better of a pitcher than Castro. Don't bring Castro in at all. He's not good enough. I mean, it's just that simple. I don't care what the analytics say of what the other batters do against a right-handed pitcher. I care about the fact that your right-handed pitcher that you're, you're bringing in isn't good enough to be in in this situation. Okay, fine, you brought him in. Okay, we, we, like, that argument's over. You know, If I'm the bench coach, I'm saying, don't do it, don't do it. He decides to do it. All right, shut your mouth. He did it. Now let's get ready for the next situation. So Castro comes in. And he, get, he does get a ground out, but then he uh, throws a wild pitch to score a run and walks Tavares and gives up a two-run double to uh, Janikowski. And then on top of it, uh, Marcus Simeon is up, and then uh, he gives up a, another triple to, uh, to Simeon. So we've got a bad stretch right there. Now Corey Seager is up. And I hear what he's saying. I've got to stop the momentum, so I've got to bring in a new pitcher to attack Corey Seager. You don't have Evan Carter in the game, all right? You don't have Garcia in the game. Without Garcia in the game, if you've already made the mistake of going to Castro, then you can't pitch to Seager no matter what. No matter what happens, with no... Uh, Adolis Garcia in the game. We are not allowing the anybody named Simeon, or excuse me, anybody named Seager to come to the plate with men in scoring position without 100% what is the best matchup for us. Well, the, the best matchup is Seager at first. Put him on first. So now who is the best pitcher to face Garver? I hate to say it, it's now Castro. Or if you want to take, if you got to get Castro out of the game, put in another righty to face Garver. Terrible mistake to pitch to Corey Seager in that situation. So he brings in Kyle Nelson to pitch to Seager because he says, okay, now we've got uh, a better matchup. It doesn't matter. You're not pitching to him. So who's the best matchup for Garver? That would be Castro versus Garver. So you allow Castro to walk Seager. And I, I just really appreciate that he's saying it. It does still fire me up that he didn't do it. Because you hear him say, I got to end momentum. I've got to make a change. That's the lack of experience where you're right. The, one of the most important things in postseason managing is ending runs, is stopping momentum. I want you going into a game with that feeling. Stop momentum. I've got to stop their momentum. What can I do to stop their momentum right now? That is the job of the manager. Stop momentum. But you've got to have the wherewithal in that moment to figure out, is change the best way to stop momentum? And he didn't do that. 
He just felt like change will stop momentum instead of, okay, what, how can the momentum get worse? The momentum can get worse by pitching to Corey Seager. <laughs> no matter who's throwing the baseball, pitching to Corey Seager on a bullpen day with people on base shouldn't happen. I'm not saying they should have walked Corey Seager in the first inning. No way. You don't have anybody on base. You got to go after him. If he hits a home run, so what? It's one nothing. We'll get over it. We'll get over it. But when you've already given up a run on a wild pitch, given up a run on a uh, on a triple from Simeon, and you're now down three to nothing, you can't pitch to Seager with a runner on base under any circumstances. That was bad managing. But he knew it. He now says it. He knows it. Okay. That's how you get better as a manager. We all screw up at work. All right, what's next? What would you have done if Zach had gone through the seventh inning, gotten to 85, 90 pitches with a no-hitter, mm-hmm. and you're still in a nothing-nothing game? I'm yeah. sure you guys thought that through. Yeah, I was starting to get really uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, uh, pitch count aside, this was a World Series, and Zach came in my office last night before he left to say goodbye, and we went over a couple things, and he said, I had no-hit stuff. I, I was prepared to throw a no-hitter, and I was going to ask for you to let me go 110 pitches, 115. So I would have checked in with him after the seventh. I would have checked in with him after the eighth, saw where he was, and it, he, he had it going on yesterday, and I wasn't going to get in his way. So um, I was going to see it through his eyes. And may, then if, it, if I didn't like it, I was going to make, make the parent decision and, and make a change if needed. Stop it right there, and let me just – Tori, last, last night you said uh, – Two seconds on this point before we get rolling. Um, taking out Zach Gallon at any moment with a no-hitter is a massive mistake. And even the thought of doing it still worries me about Tori Lovello. I don't like it when they do it in the regular season. I don't like it at all. Okay, I think it's part of the wussification of America. We have all of these new training techniques. We have all these new ways of doing things, and people get hurt more often. And nobody's put it together. It's about how we're training pitchers, and that's where the problem is. Okay, the problem is not the number of pitches. The problem is the number of pitches. I shouldn't say that. The problem is not the number of pitches in a game. It's the number of pitches in an inning. It's the number of pitches under stress. That's when a human being changes their motion. The stress of the minute differences when you throw are what hurt the shoulder and the arm. It doesn't matter if you throw 110 pitches if you're throwing 8 to 9, 10 pitches an inning. If that's it, you're throwing 10 pitches, you're sitting down. Oh, no! He's at 100 pitches. He's pitched 10 innings. He pitched 10. He threw 10 pitches over the course of 25 minutes. Then he got back up, and he threw 10 pitches in the next 25 minutes. Get over it. He'll be fine. If he's got a no-hitter in the World Series and you don't have a game for him to pitch in in the next two or three days, four days, he's staying on the bump. I totally agree with taking out Zach Allen when they did. Bam, 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 hits. They got to run. Hey, we need to make a move. I get that. I'm not denying that at all. But I do not want to hear, Tori, that you, you, I would have been the adult in the room once he got up to about 105, 110 pitches. That's a mistake. 
That's a mistake. And I'll let me be clear here. I'm the only one that thinks that. If you, I want to be fair to you that if you talk to real baseball pitching coaches, real general managers, you talk to the industry, they would say, and that's why you're a talk show host, Doug. Sit in that little chair, spew off your little opinions, and don't let anybody anywhere near my pitcher's arm or shoulder. That's what they would tell you. But I, I believe there's a Nolan Ryan out there, and, and we're not coaching it. All right, keep going. You, you apologized to the fans and said you didn't feel you did your job. You know, mm-hmm. after reflecting on that and waking up to those texts, do you still feel that way? Um, a little bit less. Yeah, a lot of people inside of this this baseball community probably saw that and 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 they they were addressing that. And I think that's what good friends do. Um, people from across the country saw it and they're saying the same thing. Um, yeah, I I. I still stand by that. Um, I I didn't do my job well enough to help us win a World Series, and I I want to do that. I want to do that for everybody in this in this community, in the state. So I'm sorry, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to die trying to win a World Championship as a manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's my promise to them. I don't need to say anything to that. I think that's fantastic that he said that. Um, this team has uh, – Mike Hazen says the goalposts have been moved. You know, we expect to make the playoffs now next year. Okay. I, we all do too. We all do too. It's failure for this organization not to get to the playoffs next year. But it's not a guarantee. If you go into next year thinking it's a guarantee because we went this far, we're now supposed to go this far, that's not what happens in real life. doesn't happen. But – it's fair to say it's on the organization to do the things they need to do to get more than 84 victories to ensure they're in next year's postseason. And it's not back their way in to the end of the postseason like they did in, in 2023. All right, uh, uh, just a couple more from Tori Lovello, if, if you could, before we get to, uh, uh, to Mike Hazen. After he said sorry to the fans, the next question has to do with um, where they're at Afterwards, and what what he said after Game Five in the clubhouse. How hard was it to say goodbye to the guys last night? I'm sure you'll have interactions with them, but you know, Mike yeah. also brought up the point that that might have been the hardest thing is also sending a message for even the off season and how to come back next year and kind of doing that all in that raw moment. Yeah. What was that like for you? That was rough. That was super rough. Um, you know, you're trying to thread the needle just perfect. You want to make sure that you're addressing what's happening presently. And um, you know, I, I told them how proud I was of them and that I loved them. And thank you for the effort. Every coach in here, um, every trainer in here, uh, Worked their butt off to to push for them, and they accepted that. Um, and then I had to kind of shuttle over to the next level of letting your mind and your body recover. It's time to be a husband, a, a father, a son, um, and you know, give it give some time back to your family. But when it's time to to go, we're going to be ready to go. We're we're going to we're going to be at that starting gate, and we're going to go hard, and we're not going to stop. So it was a hard message for me to deliver because I was in a very emotional state. You know, I've, I saw a bunch of grown men crying yesterday, and I was one of them. So um, it's hard to shuttle, shuffle that deck and get back into that. I'm the leader of this group in the dugout. Stand up, be strong, which I wasn't, <laughs> and, and give them some direction because they're all waiting for that. 
So there was a lot of hugs afterwards, a lot of goodbyes, um, and I'll, lot of, I'll see you later and be in touch. And that's just what happens. It's like, it's a, this, the most surreal feeling is waking up today and having no baseball game. That's weird. I came to the ballpark today dressed like this, and I'm going to stay like this. I'm not going to get into my uniform. It's just weird. It just it, it happens so fast. It's like ending a phone call, you know, just bye, see you later, gone, and you don't see people for the next four months. It's very awkward. If I could um, follow up real quick on just seeing guys. You mentioned Gallon, and he talked about going 110 in World Series. You know, just watching these guys push themselves. Yeah to another level and I imagine as you're managing it's going deeper 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 and yeah <laughs> I'm sure it's kind of uncomfortable um, in a way although it's exhilarating also how do you think that will serve these guys next year yeah it's a it's a very strong push in the right direction here's Zach Gallon through 240 innings right so um, we, we know he, he can get there and he kind of tested himself and he, he broke he broke through some barriers um, you have a number of young players that have playoff and in October long sleeve baseball experience and and um, you you can't simulate that there's no way you can give Corbin Carroll um, Geraldo Perdomo Gabby Moreno um, and Alec Thomas 23 24 year, old, year olds and, and, and Jordan Lawler this this time and experience so we, we're one we're one big step ahead of the game when we step into spring training they know what it's like and it is a, it is the ultimate sacrifice an ultimate commitment to one another and it's 30 extra days of baseball so that's hard to prepare for now they know what it's going to take throughout the course of the season i will say this right as i was driving in today when i take merrill out of the game in the fifth inning and 90 pitches he's not going to get mad at me because i could say to him you're going to throw 245 innings this year zach you're coming out of the game at 94 pitches in a 10 to 1 game i'm going to try to save you 10 innings in the middle of the season and we're gonna we're gonna budget for the back end. I think they're gonna understand that now. You know, I would I would be thinking it, but they were not, um, and they never understood that. Maybe those guys will get it a little bit more clearly now, because they okay. would fight me every. Uh, listen, good. <laughs> Keep fighting, guys. Keep fighting. And Tori, you're a little bit right too. All right, could you give me uh, Mike Hazen if you could, uh, Jeff Weir Production? I hope you agree with today's decision. Um, it's a football Friday. I, I mean, ASU's coming off a big win, and they're you know excited to try to test themselves against Utah. Utah's coming off of that game uh, against Oregon, so they probably want to take just beat the snot out of somebody. U of A has a game this weekend where it's the pinnacle moment in the history of of Jed Fish. That's enormous. USC has not been playing great. U of A could knock them off. All right. That's huge. And then maybe even we see Kyler Murray this weekend. I don't think we will, but maybe. So you've got there's a lot of football to talk about, but I just have this feeling when you go to a World Series and your management team is opening up about their mistakes and things that happen, I I think that we devote a ton of time to that. Hopefully you agree with my decision on that. Um, all right, give me uh, – start rolling on, on Mike Hazen, if you would. Again, thanks to 12 News for giving me uh, everything of, 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 of these actualities. Um, no, go ahead, because he's just going to – he's going to start off st- saying stuff that I think everybody needs to know, that he's a class guy, first words out of his mouth, are similar to what Tori Lovello had already said post-game the night before. Congratulations to the Rangers. Uh, 
Well, I guess I did work the password. I didn't realize that we had to wait for all the media to put their phones up there. Journalists do that in order to keep track of what he said. Mine feel up here. Um, I'll, I'll start off today. Uh, first, first, I want to congratulate the Texas Rangers. Um, they deserve this this moment. Um, they played a really good series, and they beat us. And so that's first and foremost. Watching Boach, you know, was from a from a long term game perspective is you know something that's great about the game of baseball. Um, I also know that you know. Um, if I read it once, I read it a thousand times about the Diamondbacks and the Rangers playing in the World Series. And, you know, for whatever that is, look, we, I think hopefully the country got exposed to some incredible players. You know, Josh Jung, Evan Carter, Corbin Carroll, Moreno. And I think it's great for the game of baseball personally that we have a system in which play for an entire month and the one seed or the six seed could show up and we play a long season and yeah there's teams that won 100 games but I think it's great for the for the country for the game of baseball to see this next generation of players playing on this stage um, and then you know lastly I want to just say how incredibly proud I am of Tori and our coaches and our players for the work dedication preparation that went into this season um, it is extremely disappointing sitting here today. However, not being able to step back and recognize how um, incredibly they played um, through four different road series cities and four very good opponents, um, all of which could have taken us out. And, you know, only one did. So, with that, I'll. Fire away. Hey, Mike. Um, this last 24 hours would have been the emotions. Cameron Cox the emotions after last talking. night and kind of this morning too as well. Yeah, uh, wasn't ready for it to end. You know, Zach was unreal last night and put us in a position to win that game the way you would want a number one starter to put you in a position to win that game, take the series back to Texas, but it didn't work out for us. Mike, I know you haven't had a lot of time to, to Steve Gilbert take it in your kind of, of behind schedule for the offseason, yeah. which you always want to be every year. I'm sure you'd take that. But um, what, do you, what, what are kind of your priorities for the offseason in terms of adding to this team? Yeah, starting to think about the offseason starts today. You know, we've had some very brief, uh, thin moments to prepare for what we have coming up. Um, we know we have a lot of work to do. We know there are areas of our team that we want to try to improve. Um, you know, I think this run of 30 days was was so highlighted some of our best baseball. I think the 84 wins during the regular season highlighted some of the areas where I feel like we need to we I need to make improvements um, that we need to make improvements to be even better next year. Good answer. Yeah, I mean, look specifically, I haven't really, you know spend a lot of time digesting. I think starting pitching is certainly going to be an area we need to address. Um, I, I, you know, we had a lot of depth going into the season. It was probably the deepest we've ever been in that spot. And we went through it all. Uh, plus, 
Um, and I think that's just the nature of the beast and something we're going to need to continue to, 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 to reinforce going into next year. We have a lot of young arms, which is great. Um, but we're going to need to improve that area. And then I think from a position player side of things, we're losing some right-handed hitting, a lot of right-handed bats off of our roster. And that's probably going to be an area that we're going to need to address again. I like that. That specifically means third base to me. They're passing um, on the microphone. Mike, the uh, oft-quoted uh, comment that you made in spring training about how would you define success for 2023, you guys blew by that in, in, in spades. Uh, you know, being able to buy the deadline and uh, you know being playing meaningful games in September. Mm -hmm. um, have the goalposts moved for how you would define success for next season? Does making the postseason again, uh, is that the, the new bar or raised bar for you? Completely. Yes, the goalposts have moved, as they should. Yes. I, 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 you know, I, I feel like part of my responsibility is to set reasonable expectations, realistic expectations, not reasonable, realistic expectations for what we're shooting for. Um, and I don't see any reason why that's not a realistic expectation moving into next year with the team we're going to have coming back. It's going to take continued improvement with our younger group. I said this before that I thought the, you know, the biggest area that we were going to move forward in improving sort of our on the paper you know, wins was going to be for our young players and their development. And a lot of that happened this year on our internal roster. That's not to say the external additions that are going to need to happen to continue to improve that and make even bigger gains. But I still think with the group of 21 to 3-year-olds that we have, a lot, both in the rotation and, and, in, and in the lineup um, and in the bullpen, that uh, a, another big jump um, for this team will happen with continued development of that group. Go ahead and stop it for just a second. You would have if, probably if, already if, had if, it. Jeff, we're production. I really would like your feedback for Town Hall Tuesday. Do you like today's show? Do you like today's podcast? I mean, it's a beer Friday. We're supposed to be getting jacked up, you know? It's, yeah, it's a weekend. Bo, and Doug, happy hour, 100-mile brewing company. Yeah. And then at the same, it's a football Friday. We got this. We got this. And, and we're down to, we've only got 45 minutes left in the show. I, I could totally feel if you would like to reject what I'm doing. But truthfully, this is what I do every night. Every night I listen to hours of press conferences, take a bunch of notes, and then send an email to Jeff Weir Production. And just to reiterate, we weren't able to do that today because of equipment issues, uh, and, and therefore I'm, I'm listening to this as I talk to you. But what I love about what I just heard from Mike Hazen is it's just the, the open acknowledgement of there's so many general managers that would shy away from that question. Listen, every year's a new year. You know, our, the postseason's our goal every year. Da, da, da. And then he said, absolutely, the goalposts of moves, as they should. We wanted to play meaningful baseball in September. We've done that. Now that we're here, it's my job to make sure we win more than 84 games so the postseason is never in doubt. And I like a general manager that's not afraid of that because, let's face it, this team wins 81 games, 78 games, something like that in 2024. We're all looking at Mike Hazen and saying, what happened? And unless there's massive injuries, that there's no way to get around the fact, then it's time to look you square in the face and say, Mike, you didn't get it done. Because exactly what you said, the 21 and 23-year-olds have done well. And we would expect more and more development all the time. And I like the fact that he just dealt with that. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. All right. Uh, the next one has to do with um, 
going on vacation, but then the immediate focus with Ken and Derek about money going forward. Ken and Derek, at this point, um, have you guys scheduled that yet? What's what's the near future going to look like in that regard? We have not. Um, yes, I need to get on that. Uh, I'm sure we will. You know, we've had offhanded conversations about where things may head or what we should be looking at. Um, I need to get to work on that stuff immediately. Uh, you know, our off-season planning schedule will probably be a little bit different than it's been in years past, which is a good thing. Um, we'll be ready to go in, you know, starting next week with the GM meetings. Um, you know, our staff, the guys in baseball operations that have put in so many hours, um, we're right back at it this morning. And, you know, it's great. It's great. It's, you know, I'd love to have everybody go off on vacation for a couple of weeks, but that's not what's going to be afforded to us. So we'll, we'll, we'll speed up the process to get our hands around where, where we're going to be going from a payroll standpoint, from what we're going to be looking to do from a roster standpoint, and then you know we'll be thrust into the trade market right away too, starting next week. Uh, I know there's no rush or deadline with Tory, but do you plan to sit down with him sometime soon? Yeah, what I told you guys in LA is exactly how I feel about you know what what I said to him when we when we did the last extension I'm I'm not anticipating that the question of where he's going to be managing anytime soon is going to is going to be something we're going to need to spend a whole lot of time on but yes we will that that is one of the things that I want to sit down with Ken and Derek about too Tori Lovello has uh, keep rolling but Tori Lovello agreed to a 2024 extension um, but that's it do you, do you so feel he'll like get a adding one established guy is a is a priority and for me kind of at least yeah I, I i love our young rotation i do but we said this when that day in may when we made a roster move that having three rookies in our rotation creates a lot of uncertainty on a night-to-night basis because that's just young starting pitching starting pitching in this league it is the, one of the hardest things to do is to be a starting pitcher in this league and to be a young starting pitcher in this league um so, yes, having veterans in that rotation matter. I mean, I think you looked across the aisle here in this series and, you know, they had more veteran starting pitchers than we did. Just doesn't, I mean, not to say that obviously Brandon Fott was incredible. I thought what Nelly did coming out of the pen that day was awesome. Um, but that had been a little rocky up until that point for us to figure out exactly where we were going to be standing uh, with that. So, Yes, that would be something that we're gonna we're gonna focus on going into the offseason. He means, how did we know Ryan Nelson was gonna you be have a good? Few free agents. Do you expect that maybe some could be coming back, or would some of those guys be maybe a little too expensive? Because yeah, of how well, they play? listen. In the past, I'd be able to answer that question because we'd have them under control. They're free agents now. We're not allowed to talk about free agents. So love the team that we had this year, the culture that was created, the guys that we had in our clubhouse, the the veteran guys we had in our clubhouse were a major piece to that. Um, but I'm not allowed to talk about free agency at this point moving forward they're all free agents great answer as soon as the world series ended that's when everybody's contracts ends hey, in Major uh, Baseball. Mike, uh, jumping back to the pitching do you regret not picking up any more veteran pitching at the trade deadline now or is it something that really wasn't accomplishable at that point yeah i have a lot of regrets yeah it's kind of painful to sit here and talk about this after getting bounced from the world series and feeling like what happened in game four isn't 100% on me. Um, you make the decisions you make. Uh, we added at the deadline. It wasn't like we just sat there with our thumbs and didn't do anything, but we didn't do enough. And, you know, when we went through the playoffs, knowing that we were getting to a seven game series, knowing that that fourth spot was going to be a bullpen day twice, first time we 
made it through the second time we did not um, yeah you were hoping that the players are going to pick you up for the area that you left them naked and um, look you're not going to you're not going to bat a thousand in this job certainly I <laughs> have plenty of misses um, but yeah that that's a tough one to swallow for me right now yeah and how much I mean it just happened that your worst streak of the season came right around the deadline you lost 10 out of 11 around that did, was there any sort of feeling at this point? Maybe we're not going to go to the playoffs. So, so why send spend some minor league product that we yeah. might not have to? No, nope. no, nope, we were buying. Um, I chased every starting pitcher in the free agent market. I mean, look, at some point, I have to make a decision on what the acquisition cost is going to be. And in retrospect, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, in retrospect, like. I've already answered your question. I, I uh, no, we chased every starting pitcher on the market. So, so there are there are deals you're because I mean you you've told us before like the cost was Alec Thomas. Yeah, the, like, yeah, I mean, the cost the cost was the cost was pretty expensive. Yes, but now sitting here in the World Series, it kind of changes your perspective on going back. Then you're without Alec Thomas. I wouldn't have traded Alec Thomas. No. So there but are the, there are specific were, deals you're thinking back. To yes, okay. there are other ways, or or were there ways that we could have pushed other deals in in different directions that could have gotten it done without doing Alec Thomas? I do not regret not trading Alec Thomas or Brandon Fott. I wouldn't have done that again today. Yes, one thousand percent. Were there other avenues that we could have pushed? by adding more prospects into deals where it didn't include those guys, where I should have gone down that route. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to those things, but I know I didn't get a starting pitcher, and that that's on me. We could be done with uh, Mike Hayes Just a little uh, bit. Altogether. That's kind of an Thank obvious you. question, but how much did you That guy's my general manager. <laughs> that's what he, let, let me start right there. To have a guy that's that smart cares that much and is I, I can't tell you how being in this business for 30 years how many bullcrap artists there are it's just insane how some of these guys in those positions think you and I are too stupid to handle it and Mike Hazen's rawness and honesty I'm guaranteeing you does not happen and that's why I respect him so much um, when you listen to what he said I'm not trading Alec Thomas. I'm not trading Brandon Fought at all. But it's hard not to sit here without knowing that game four is 100% on me. I mean, he is admitting, if I did my job as a general manager, we probably win game four, and at least it's 2-2. No matter what happens, if they won game four, guess what today is? Today is game six watch party at 100 Mile Brewing Company. And here's the general manager saying, sorry, 100 Mile Brewing Company, you didn't get a watch party because I didn't get a starter in game four. I love that level of accountability. Love it. And he's saying, I don't know what would have worked. I would have said no every single time somebody asked for Alec and every single time somebody asked for Brandon Fought. I would have said no. But the two things that have to grab you it's number one, let me eat it here, how wrong I was. I specifically said at the trade deadline, make no moves, be a seller, get rid of Longoria, maybe even Emmanuel Rivera, get rid of any fringe guy. Even I didn't want to get rid of Goreal, but he's going to be a free agent. See what you can get. You're not going to the postseason because Torrey Lovello isn't getting this train stopped. You guys are playing stinky baseball. He didn't listen to a word I said, and he got the team to the World Series. 
So let's be clear how I have to tiptoe through the tulips or walk on a bed of nails as I'm talking about this because I've got to be accountable to being wrong too. But he said he was they were being a buyer no matter what. I respect that. Then when you talk about the situation of I'm saying no to these guys, but how do I know Team X wouldn't have accepted Jake McCarthy and uh, Ivan uh, Mendez and and you just go down the list. They've got some really good prospects. And you can tell he is now saying, and this will never happen again, he's going to be more aggressive at a trade deadline if he thinks he needs to be because he knows not doing it could cost them a World Series. I love that. But it opens him up to other criticism. There might be an amen prospect. Have you ever heard the name Doyle Alexander? Uh, I'll ask you, Jeff Weir Production, because this is really important for you. Do you know who Doyle Alexander is? I do not. Okay. It's a big deal in your world, and you're going to laugh when you hear about it. There's this guy who happens to be from Michigan, and he's drafted by the Detroit Tigers. Can you imagine how huge this is to have a guy drafted from a Michigan high school to be brought up and play for you? and be the star of your team and go to the Baseball Hall of Fame as a Tiger, as a guy drafted by the Tigers from Michigan. And instead, the Tigers thought they could make a playoff push and they wanted bullpen help. And they said, we got to get Doyle Alexander. You said you don't know who Doyle Alexander is. The Atlanta Braves traded Doyle Alexander for John Smoltz. How'd that work? Do you think Atlanta think is pretty happy with that deal? Yes. And Detroit didn't have their own Michigander to be able to pitch for them as a hometown guy because they traded John Smoltz. You're opening yourself up for the next to be the next guy that trades for Doyle Alexander. I got to get myself a starting pitcher. I got to get myself a starting pitcher. In 20 years, we're all talking about this Hall of Fame kid that the Diamondbacks traded away for the next incarnation of Doyle Alexander who doesn't get it done because Tori Lovello's thinking, I failed in game four by not getting a starter at the deadline. I'm now going to push more prospects, more chips in. You see how that balancing act gets tough? It's a huge deal. And I love that. I do. I, I love hearing that accountability. That's that's why I wanted to play all that for you. I hope you didn't find that incredibly boring. Um, if, if, if any other team in this city goes to the championship, I'm going to play their whole press conference too. We did it a lot with Monty uh, after the, uh, the series loss for them to Milwaukee. That, that's how I feel about doing that stuff, and hopefully you agree with it. All right, coming up next. We got Suns, we got ASU, we got U of A, we got Cardinals, we got Steve McCollum, and we got the uh, versus Vegas. We're going to somehow do all that in 27 minutes. Let's go! It's Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about... 
25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Let's do Suns first, and then a lot of football to uh, end today's Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Do not forget that website, please. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Even if you are not a golfer, you're just helping me out as a member of the Unplugged Army by going to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Maybe tweet it out every now and then. Tell your friends about it. And if you are a golfer, it is a no-brainer to become a member of Whirlwind Plus. And I can't get over the savings you get. When Sweet Lou told me how inexpensive he's charging for Whirlwind Plus, I thought that's crazy. That's crazy. Two ninety nine is the yearly cost, and I realized for some of you, look at uh, even for my family, plunking over three hundred dollars is something that there's going to be a conversation with Jennifer. Okay, we're not just we don't have three hundred dollars just to give away, but. When you look at the savings, if you want to golf at a premier course, it basically turns a premier course in the Valley into very affordable. You save so much money and and you save every time you go. Then you include 15% at the restaurant Civlik and 15% at the pro shop. No brainer. Go to unpluggedatworldwind.com to check it out. Son's a loser yesterday and really annoying to me. I, I don't have any problem. Booker did not score in the first quarter. I don't care. You know, Booker's coming back. I get it. I also understand a lot of the defensive problems because it's new. It's a new defense. It's new players. Everything's new. You're going to screw up. But I thought the biggest screw up was energy. And I know that I have friends in the league that will tell me, listen, one of the reasons why you screw up energy is because how do you be energetic when you don't know where to go? How do you be energetic when you're still learning and you're not sure? You, you can't have energy. You can't be wrong faster. When you're wrong, you're kind of confused. There's some truth to that. But I saw some really lazy closeouts in the first half. And then you allowed a bunch of kids to hit eight three-pointers in the first quarter. Just lazy to me. That's what was yesterday. I want to be understanding because there's going to be growing pains. You're going to lose games you shouldn't lose. But I'm never going to be forgiving when it's a lack of energy. And that's what I perceived uh, yesterday. Let's start with uh, Devin Booker, if you would. And if Jeff Weir Production, if you could give me book one and it was it was just a simple question hey d book uh, your first game since game one of the season how'd you feel out there how did everything go for you physically really good um you know it, it always sucks to be out and you know i checked all those boxes to be, be able to go out there and go and 
you know, I love I love being out there. Curious as far as the rhythm, obviously didn't have it early and trying to catch that second win. But once you got that, it seemed like you was off off of the races. But how did it feel once you got sat down for a minute and came back out there? Um, I mean, I was undecided going into the day. You know, I needed my court time to see if I was actually going to play or not. And, you know, that process of checking all those boxes and then them bringing a minute restriction on that didn't last very long. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of extra variables that go into it other than a, a regular game day. But, you know, that's that's the flow of the game. I knew I'd find it. Um, I think none of us had it in the first half. And, you know, we came out and fought the second half, and now we're going to try to put two halves together so we can have a complete game. Right there, you see the differences in our two famous number ones in this city. Devin Booker didn't wasn't sure, didn't think he was going to play coming into the start of the day and found a way to get himself in the lineup. Kyler Murray is one that if he's dealing with an injury, well, oh, it's just not it's just not perfect. Not, everything's not perfect today, so I can't go. Uh, big fan of, of Devin Booker. Uh, the next one is Frank Vogel and just explaining to us – what happened at the end of the game because you, you struggled mightily. They came back down by 20 at halftime, down worse at the beginning of the third quarter, stormed back to get it tied. And once they got it tied, you thought this game's over. There's no way these young kids from San Antonio can handle what's going on with the Suns. Veterans coming back on them in, their, in the home building of the veterans. You're going to lose. And San Antonio had more poise at the end of the game than the Suns did. Sometimes a single play can change momentum. You know, I, I feel like we left uh, uh, Osmond on that backside when we were making a run. And I, I forget what the exact score was right there, but we felt like we had him on the ropes and they hadn't scored in a while. And, you know, that uh, sort of broke broke the uh, broke the run. And, um, you know, then we had a couple empty possessions and they, they scored three or four straight times, broke the game back open. That is Frank Vogel admitting the end of the game. And then I, I like this because it was just basically like, hey, did you expect that? Booker didn't score for you in the first quarter. It's really one of your first games of just seeing Book go off, even though he did play well against Golden State. What did you see from Devin Booker? It was incredible. I mean, it took a little bit to get going, which is expected. You know, hasn't, hasn't played for, um, you know, in uh, I think nine days or so. Um, but what a second half. He's a spectacular player and you know, willed us back into the game. The old show used to get into deep arguments with Wolf all the time. Can you will yourself to victory? And he said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because the other team has that will. And I've always been like, yes, you can. You can. I'm not saying it's easy. But there are certain, but not everybody couldn't do it. Like you can't put me on the floor. And then I, no matter, I guarantee you, I want to win more than anybody else, and that's not going to help us. <laughs> I'm going to be the reason why we lose. But I'm going to will us to want to win. But a player at Devin Booker's statue, stature, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, let's go back to book now. I think this is really important. Book two is going to explain what does he think is the biggest problem, especially why giving up a 75-point first half. I say communication. You know, that's that's always the, the easy answer. And it, you know, sounds like it's not important, but, you know, I think the best teams have all five guys, 
and bench including coaches including all talking to each other and on the same page um a lot of communication trumps the the gray areas where you know people are in between and hesitant on what they're supposed to do like even if you're saying the wrong thing out there at least you know everybody knows what's going on that's such an interesting point by d book because it is fair to say if the defensive back end, if Nurkic is still trying to figure out what he's supposed to do, he's not communicating to everybody else what he's seeing. This is a game where this is going to be funny because I was the biggest DeAndre Ayton pusher, motivator, angry DeAndre Ayton guy. This is a game they probably had a better chance of winning with DeAndre Ayton. Nurkic did not play well. Nurkic looked lost and Webb and Yama ate his lunch. And, and then he ate Kevin Durant's lunch, too. Webb and Yama dominated this game, and it had a lot to do with lack of knowledge of the defense. And I'm hoping that changes as time uh, goes on. What did you see, Frank, from your, from your defense? Vogel three, please. Yeah, we just weren't, weren't close enough to shooters. You know, I mean, uh, we had some breakdowns, the left shooters on the backside, but, you know, general closeouts, guys are pulling threes on their own man, and – you know, give them credit. They shot the heck out of the basketball, especially in the first half. That, I like that it was just that blunt. It's, anybody that's in the NBA is a good player. And once you allow good players to get hot, it's hard to then stop them. It doesn't matter how terrible a team is. They're NBA players. They get hot. The problem is don't let them get hot. When a young team is in your building, actually hustle on the closeouts. Play defense with energy so even if your offense stinks, they can't get rolling. That's how you win. That was all on the Suns. That was 100% on the players not playing with energy in that game. Uh, uh, and then lastly, Frank Vogel, uh, this is Frank talking about two stats, points in the paint and transition and not being good enough in those two areas. Yeah, well, turnovers in the first half uh, were a problem. Credit to the Spurs and their, their length. They got an extremely long team and you know, forced a lot of them. But, you know, we're still too sloppy with the basketball, you know, and until we correct that, um, you know, we're gonna find, not going to find ourselves in, in the win column. Um, you know, that's the transition. And then the points in the paint, you know, they were shooting the heck out of the three-point line, really spreading us out and opening things up for them. Transition defense didn't bother me. The reason why is because it wasn't they were being lazy on transition defense. They were being so horrible on offense. When you turn the ball over and make it easy to turn that into a three-on-one, three-on-two fast break, it's not the defense's fault for not getting back. They can't get back because your offense is so bad. It just happens to be the same guys. But yell about the offense. Points in the paint, however, other than the layups in transition, that's because of the bad closeouts. And that is where you light them up for. There's a quick Suns opinion. I have not talked to any football today on a football Friday, so we're going to charge Steve McCollum with bailing me out before the main event starts. And uh, when I just oh. say the word football, are you going to, uh-oh, Utah just lost in embarrassing fashion and they're taking on ASU. Do you go the Jaden Delora question or do you go to the Kyler Murray Clayton? Too? Where is your head for football weekend? Well, uh, two out of three of those are no-brainers. Uh, Kyler Murray is not playing this weekend. He's only been practicing with practice squad members. Uh, he is not being – we got a Clayton Tune Driscoll quarterback lineup this weekend for your Cardinals. <laughs> 
Uh, right, and that should be the way it should go uh, against this Cleveland Browns defense in the cold. It's going to be rainy, uh, stuff like that. That's the way you got to go. Tune, good luck to you. Uh, you know, wish you the best. Uh, in terms of Delora, if he sees the field, it better be in a giant blowout victory for I'm worried Arizona. about that. I'm not a U of A fan, but yeah. I, I'm still – Jed Fish has not said yeah, – That's all games. Who's the number one starting quarterback yeah, for that? It, it's all program. games. You – Jetfish is complaining that the team if you that the team isn't selling out down there, right? And yeah. they have uh, what UCLA this weekend. Uh, USC, and, but yeah, I uh, know it's UCLA. Uh, they already is played it? USC. Oh, yeah. then never mind. Yeah. Oh, they you're right. You're right. So sorry. To USC. I, yeah. I think I said USC earlier today. You did. I heard it on the way in. Oh, so. please bust. I was me trying to I correct you without correcting you. Yeah, Doug. yeah. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> listen, when you blo- when I blow it like that, I, I don't care about me being right or wrong. I care deeply about the show yeah, being. No, right. I just you casually I mean? threw it out there just so people would be upset. But if he's upset, they're not selling out against a good UCLA team coming into town. Uh, put Delore out there to start and see how fast your fan base revolts. Uh, so that's a no-brainer in my eyes. That's good. Uh, as well. In terms of ASU, this is going to be a fascinating game because Utah's offense is terrible. With Cam Rising not in there, they have that pig farmer, the most the most <laughs> in the FBS uh, pig farmer, if you saw my show earlier in the week. Uh, and their offense is not good. However, they out-physical ASU for the last several years. They out-physical a lot of teams. It's going to be an interesting battle because ASU's defense is so good right now uh, that uh, if they shut down that Utah offense, we might see a 6-3 uh, ASU victory this weekend. Wow! I'm not calling it. I'm just saying you <laughs> no. might. Yeah, you kind of. You kind of did. <laughs> But uh, not really. No, I think that's a great. I think that's a great topic because I would never. I would never have expected Washington State to be four and zero, and I would never have expected a four and zero Washington State team to be four and four. Yeah, you know? go four game losing streak. So, so yeah. I look at this in a similar way. Is I never would have expected Utah. By the way, I thought Oregon was going to win, but I took Utah with the points. Uh-uh. I never expected that beat down to happen, and logic says. That's when you come back. That's yes. when you explode after that kind of beatdown. Yeah. But they have to do it defensively. There's a fair question. Did they get exposed more yeah. than they got beat down? Yeah, Oregon's defense isn't spectacular. It's better than average, but it's not spectacular. And Utah did nothing mm-hmm. against them. Uh, so a really good defense will be able to beat them. Now you run into that situation where, uh, you know, I think ASU play calling is stale. I think they need to figure that out. This is the weekend to do it to sneak out of victory but you got to worry about physicality uh asu with all their injuries haven't been as physical and look utah regardless of how bad they play they will beat the snot out of you Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you got to worry about that i don't i'm not 100 percent sure asu has that toughness to match utah let's since i got you let's take a second and rip jeff weir production here uconn my favorite thing uconn is one of the worst programs in the history of mankind Oh, overall or just this year? Yes. Uh, they are a 36-point yeah. underdog to the Tennessee Volunteers. Yes. Now, I'm not playing this game. It's not coming up on versus Come on. Vegas. Come on, play the points. But when you see how up and down and lazy Tennessee can be this year, I, doesn't it look like – UCon- I mean, UConn's bad. Tennessee has a history of losing to teams that they shouldn't even be in the same ballpark. I don't have the courage to even bring up the word loss. But to win only by 20 points... 
25. I could easily see that they win, Tennessee wins by hey, 20. That was the old regime, though. Pruitt doesn't, uh, as we get the T on the upper left there, Pruitt, <laughs> Pruitt will lose games, but he'll lose to good teams. He's not like the other regime that, of course, you know, has been kicked out of football for cheating and all that stuff where they lost to, like, Southern, you know, Southern Georgia Tech, Univer- you know, State yep, University. Yep. Uh, Pruitt doesn't generally do that, but anytime point spreads get to 36, avoid it. We don't have Pruitt anymore. Well, not Josh Heupel. That's what I just said. Oh, you're just talking about yeah, Pruitt. Yeah, yeah. Hey, like Jeff, thanks past, for listening, buddy. That's what we should rip Jeff about for listening. Yeah, I, for, you know what? I'll actually defend Jeff, Jeff for production on this reason. There is so much angst and anger with the name Pruitt that as soon as any Vols fans <laughs> hears from yeah, it, don't out. talk about Pruitt, he's gone! Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't talking about Pruitt. Oh! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I said, uh, hey, Jeff, uh, if you're listening now, uh, I said Heupel doesn't lose like Pruitt used to do to these bad places. Uh, but anytime it spreads 36, because you can be up by 30, take your foot off, you know, third stringers are in there, and then the other team can get a touchdown, et cetera. So I avoid 36-point spreads regardless. <laughs> put down your uh, put down your $5 to win uh, 33 cents, though, if you want, whatever the <laughs> Hey, that's my is. world. That is that's uh, that is totally my uh, my best betting world that's uh that's all i'm touching um (laughs) you know what i will i will put you on the spot ucla two and a half point favorite in tucson what do you think (sighs) fafita gets this start Here's the problem that I have with Arizona is they do get a couple upsets every year. They've got yes. they played they played SC really close. Should have won that game if uh, the head coach knew he had to go for two in that situation. Uh, of course, they had the big win last week against Oregon State at home. His U of A. Normally, I would pick U of A in this game. I'd pick them to win it strongly, uh, especially with Fafita as the quarterback. But they've had their two big victories. Is this the meltdown game uh, oh. where we go? There's Arizona that we got. And that's your dilemma that you got to choose. Well, very well done. Steve McCollum coming up 8 to 10 here on WTSMTV.com. Izzy's coming back on Monday. He's feeling better, but uh, he's been sick this week, so no iOS coming up uh, afterwards. And, uh, Steve, if you're still around, I got one question because I, I didn't get a chance to ask you about the pit stop yesterday. He has you, taken uh, off his headphones. Oh, his? Okay, then never mind. Because I was going to say, without a doubt, everybody that listens to Doug Brown's Unplugged knows I wasn't talking about anything that goes on in Avondale this weekend because I don't know Jack. And why, why, why waste your time with it? But I love the economic power of the event. I love that Phoenix has got the NASCAR championship. So I, I want to give a shout out to uh, everybody at PIR for uh, for that. WTSM TV will be represented out there. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well done. Um, so number one, let's get into versus Vegas. I was bringing up U of A UCLA. There's no way I'm touching that game from a team standpoint. I, I don't have any idea what's going to happen in that game. But I love, and you know, I don't say this often, love. I love the over 50 points. Does anybody look at that game and say, I see 24 21? No way. No way do I see that. I, I, I see I see offense in this thing. I don't think that's a hard one. When I look up and down all of the things to bet on this weekend, I, I think over 50 for UCLA and uh, and Graydon. I didn't even know they were playing UCLA, obviously. Try to push down USC down your throat twice today. But I, I really, I really like that one. I think the hardest game on the whole board 
in Germany. Dolphins plus two against the Chiefs. That one's that one's impossible. That one's impossible. The over-under there, the total is set at 51. I don't like playing that one in that game either because I think there's going to be a lot of slippage. A lot of times when you're playing on foreign soil, they say it meets the requirements of the NFL, but I, I think they have a hard time getting it that way. And therefore, you don't score points when people fall down. Uh, the other game I like, I another game I, I really love, Ohio State minus 18 and a half at Rutgers. Ohio State has continually won games and continually not looked impressive doing it. So that I think there's, for the first time in years, there's value in Ohio State because so many people have moved off of them and feel like, listen, they're probably going to win, but I, they just don't score enough and people are down on them. Now, I'm going to look like an idiot if Ohio State wins by four, wins by seven, something like that. But I think that number has come down so much over time because people aren't used to Ohio State covering this year. And Rutgers is just a get-right kind of game where you just get everything going again. So I love um, Ohio State on that one. I also like Atlanta. I don't usually talk Atlanta Falcons football. I'm not putting the love tag on this, but you've got the situation with Minnesota with the backup quarterback. Minnesota's on the road at the Falcons. I don't think it's asking too much for Atlanta to be able to cover four points. So I've got Atlanta uh, minus the four. And I, I think that would be... Really everything. I don't want to touch uh, the Sunday night game, which is Bengals-Bills. I think that would be – it's only a two-point spread. That would be a little tough. Um, Boy, the Patriots against the Commanders game is really interesting with all the problems of the Patriots and the way the Commanders actually started scoring last week. So I'm not touching that one. Cleveland at minus eight interesting. You could have backup quarterback versus backup quarterback. The thing is, with that Browns defense being outstanding and going up against a rookie quarterback, I I think we all know the Browns win, and I think they win minus eight, but not enough to actually play it. What interests me, and I'm not playing this, is the over-under. The total is set at 37 and a half. At 37 and a half, I would say that sounds like an easy under because with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson back and them healthy and the Browns doing backup quarterback, probably a backup quarterback, then you already know the Browns defense is going to destroy a young kid in Clayton Toon. That sounds like an easy under. The reason why I wouldn't touch it is this. I think it's going to be so bad offensively, you're going to have defensive touchdowns. And it'll be defensive touchdowns that put you over the 37 and a half. And and therefore, that would screw with everything if you try to take that. So uh, if I'm spending your money, take the under 37 and a half. I can just see that really not working. So I've only got three games today. Ohio State covering UCLA, U of A going over, and Atlanta Falcons covering. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Number one, please give me feedback on today's show. 
If you thought it was dry, let me know. I'm here to serve you, and if I didn't entertain you today, then I didn't do my job and I shouldn't do what I did with playing huge unedited blocks of Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello. I stand on the table for why I did it with the fact that, hey, we just came off the World Series and this is long form. But I can understand if you thought, Doug, it's a football Friday. I wanted football today. And you didn't give it to me. And that's a fair criticism. So tell me what you think for my Town Hall Tuesday. I would appreciate it. If you can, get to UnpluggedWhirlwind.com and check out the Whirlwind Plus plan. If you can, please figure out a way uh, to join me today for happy hour. I hope Jeff Weir Production and Steve McCollum and CEO Chris can all make it as well. We're going to be out at 100 Mile Brewing Company in Tempe. That's right where the 202 runs into Rural, runs into Scottsdale Road. It's behind the Makayos and the hotel. So turn into the Makayos, but don't stop. Go past the hotel, and it's the renovated white building. 100 it's not it's not 100 it's just 100 starts with an h 100 mile brewing company i'd love to see you out there i'll be there guaranteed from 4 30 to 6 30 maybe a little bit longer than that as well if you can't make it out then please try to support some of the other sponsors like by going to bell's nashville kitchen for the nashville hot chicken sandwich this weekend or going over to rosati's at ray and mcqueen only the one at ray and mcqueen or getting something to eat at burrito express with their seven east side locations and we're going to be back in the 90 degrees for the next week starting tomorrow so if you got any air conditioning issues call 602 to repair that's 602 the number two then r-e-p-a-i-r for parker and sons the main event is up next i'll see you tomorrow